Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are on location at NCC The Classic, a great cattle show that's been going on all week. We'll continue through Sunday. So, of course, we'll talk a little bit about what's been happening in the protein side of the markets. But more interesting, if you saw the corn numbers, don't don't rub your eyes. That is corn below $4 on the nearbys. Of course, we had some expirations and other things that are factoring into what we saw in the markets to wrap up a Friday. We'll be back to talk more about what those factors are after this. Meet the champions of innovation in the heart of Nebraska. They're not just farmers, and they nurture more than just crops. Pushing boundaries and turning challenges into opportunities. They trade knowledge and know-how, and their dedication doesn't end at harvest. It's in your every bite and every drive. The future of food, fuel, and fiber, and the future of Nebraska starts right here. And welcome back once again. Of course, we're going to talk with the guys from Trados today and Tyson and Alex both joining me. And gentlemen, it's it's been an interesting week for, for market trade. And I wanted to start out, just kind of give me your overall thoughts. Rewind to what we saw in the trade earlier in the week to how we finished out a Friday. And Alex, I'm going to kind of throw it to you first and uh, kind of give me your takeaway of this market this week. Yeah, it's certainly been a tough week in terms of the grains. I mean, it's if you look at February in general, it's been kind of a tough, uh, tough go. You know, one of the more bearish months in recent recent history, just with March corn, you know, only having a, a three day higher close. You know, December futures had their worst uh, February since 2013. So tough week. I mean, we broke. <clears throat> we kind of been in a downward trending channel just on March corn here nearby, but uh, broke that here the last couple of days. So. Not a lot of great things with March expiration coming in, basis contracts getting priced, uh, a lot of things pressuring the markets just outside of the fundamental cloud we got kind of hanging over us. All right, Tyson, for you, what was your takeaway from this week's trade? You know, obviously, from a producer standpoint, um, hasn't looked great. We've been sliding here in recent history. You know, the big thing out there is the the managed monies in the in the are extremely short the market right now. They're not record short, but they're knocking on the door of being that way. So that continues to put a lid on this market. Um, any rally or recovery that we see seems to be short-lived. We just can't seem to get past these nine and 20-day moving averages that are our trailing moving averages, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, things don't go down forever and they don't go up forever either. So there's going to be some of this that happens in the markets. Unfortunately, right now, um, it seems to be on the lower side of things. So hopefully we can get a turnaround, um, get past this first notice day. I think a lot of this pressure, like Alex was mentioning, um, comes from the basis contract deal. You know, we got a lot of people that are um, either unsold grain, that got to get out to the next one or two months. And I think a lot of the market knows that and realizes that. So that naturally will put some pressure on the market as we move forward. So did either of you expect the March contract to go below $4 on a Friday? Man, you look at it, kind of the longer term fundamentals, you would have said, you know, we'd hold that support, but you know, we were nearing it kind of most of the day. And then, yeah, I mean, we made new contract lows today again at three ninety eight and a half. So, you know, we finished a penny and quarter off the low, but, Man, I'd hate to see that 399 finish on the screen like that. It'd be much more comfortable rolling into the next week with uh, still start with a four. But I'm I'm looking forward to talking about the May futures month when th- th- that's still above four. All right, well, let's talk about May futures since you brought it up. What are your thoughts on how that one's moving? Let's look at something a little more positive. You know, on the May side, it's been obviously on a on a consistent slide as well. You know, from a producer standpoint, obviously there is carry out there in the market from the from the March to May, there's currently a call to 
oh, what is it, 13 and a half cent or 13 cent carry, let's call it, and then another 12 cents out to the July. So there are carry opportunities out there. And I know it doesn't feel good wanting to do something or pulling the trigger here as the markets continue to slide, but there are still opportunities within the market. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about doing value added things, whether it's selling options or doing something to try to help bring value to these contracts, depending on what you're doing. You know, in, in our experience, you know, trying to put some sort of floor on it, um, breaking the thing down and trying to make incremental decisions to get to your end point, you know, would be advisable on our side of things. But uh, hopefully we get some sort of rally or recovery. There's no guarantee of that, obviously. Um, but yeah, Mar May corn is at 413 and three quarters at the close. What a what a crazy week we've had. I mean, I don't think anybody could have foreseen what we were going to see. But I want to flip gears on this for just a second and look at it from a livestock perspective. Uh, lower corn prices means a decrease in, in, in their costs when it comes to purchasing grain. Yeah, feeders had a pretty good week here. You know, if you revert... Um, you know, a week or so ago, it looks like, you know, just looking at the, the May feeder contract, it looked like we were reaching to a point of kind of overbought and, and, you know, we sold off for two or three days, but then <clears throat> opposite, you know, corn can't break its 20 day moving average. Well, feeders found their support at that 20 day moving average of that 252. And then, you know, we go and trade uh, quite a bit higher, but even yesterday, you know, we trade to a, ho a new high um, and, and knock out the previous day's uh, low. So, Maybe looking at a, a kind of a reversal there, but you know we bounced back again today. We're up two and a half bucks. So on the on the livestock side of things, it's it's been uh, kind of nothing but good news here recently. Any thoughts, Tyson, that you might have from somebody who's looking? Is this the time that we should be locking in some of these feed prices? Uh, as far as your your feed. Getting your feed allocation, yes, that would make a lot of sense. Things are at the lower end of the range um, in a point of weakness, we'd call it. So, you know, trying to do buying activities would make a lot of sense in this type of time frame. Um, relying on certain indicators, whatever your indicators are to get those decisions made is, you know, something you want to fall back on and, and be consistent in the process is that um, having, knowing where your allocations are and don't go in 100% on any one day because it feels good or it feels bad, um, but trying to be consistent in your thought process and understanding that, hey, this thing might continue to slide, but if it does, what am I going to do? And if this thing recovers, um, what am I going to do in, in option B, essentially? So um, as far as the feeder cattle prices go, like Alex was talking, you know, we were rewind back to the end of the year last year. We slid probably 30%, which is a huge, massive number. And we recovered probably 25% of that here over the past two months, which has been an incredible turnaround as far as the feeder cattle side of it goes. So, you know, keep marching them things higher. Fundamentally, it looks friendly. Um, technically, it looks like, yeah, we're pushing up towards oversold or excuse me, overbought conditions. So trying to understand and protect and, and know what you want to be accomplishing with your own operation, essentially. So when you look at the big picture on these grains, how tight can these fundamentals get? I don't The fundamentals in terms of the grains aren't, they're not great. Um, having a big carryout just kind of looming over our head you know, Tyson said earlier, yeah, things don't go up forever. They don't go down forever. And, and uh, you know, we get to some of these lower uh, price commodities. We'll find some new demand and, and something new will change for, for us to go change pace. And I think that's more or less, yeah, kind of looking at the funds. It's like they need some new piece of information to, to kind of change their position. So um, just, right now, the fundamentals don't look great. Uh you know, if we, go, if we roll into the year and have a decent spring and we grow a decent crop, but, you know, 
something happens, it seems like we'll get an opportunity or marketing opportunity or some crop scare event between now and June. There's a lot of time. So it's it's uh, more or less trying to stay patient and, and stay in position for, for, you know, an opportunity to come your way. But then being disciplined to go hit that um, and kind of knowing, hey, I'm going to make these decisions if I get these opportunities and stick it to that and, and uh, hold your feet to the fire, I guess. Geopolitical, how much is that going to weigh in? I mean, this whole global movement. I know, Tyson, you're kind of shaking your head, but yeah, it do seems you know the answer there, Susan? So we're, all looking, we're, all, we're all looking for the answer there, I think. So any day, see what the recent, most recent headline is. Yeah, and and you bring up a really good point because how much of our market initial knee-jerk trading is because of what those headlines have to say. You know, a lot of the political tension, um, obviously wartime type environments are, will create a lot of market volatility, um, whether it be corn, beans, uh, wheat across the board. But yeah, un more so the unknown or the fear of the unknown will create volatility. Fortunately, right now it's all to the downside um, as far as the grains go. So yeah, we need some sort of catalyst or something to revert these things and get them back in a different direction or at least get some sort of ebbs and flow to this market. Um, like I said, right now we're going into election year. Obviously, everyone has their opinion of what that may or may not look like. So trying to understand and make your in, in understanding what that may mean. Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of, yeah, like I said, opinions about that. But I don't know if there's any actual credibility to some of those. Opinions and what happens in politics. I find that so hard yeah. to believe. Exactly, Susan. Is there an abundance of grain out there, though? Do we see more grain being held than maybe what we know about out in the countryside? Uh, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, if you look across the Western Corn Belt, I think in, in general, you know, if you, again, not looking at everyone's opinion, but uh, if you believe the USDA number that they printed, I think the Western Corn Belt had uh, quite a bit bigger crop than we did a year ago. So, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of that more sitting on farm rather than in town. I mean, just talking to commercial buyers, and you know, I don't think that they've got, you know, a comfortable amount purchased. I mean, yeah, it's it's trickling in just as we near March first, and different uh, cash needs are coming up. But I I think a lot of it sits on the farm. If if uh, if we believe the USDA number, and whether I believe it or not, it doesn't matter. That's the number the market prints. So uh, if that is true, I, you know, I think we've we've got a lot of corn sitting on the farm yet. So what's it going to take to sell it? Obviously higher prices, but yeah. what's going to be the push? Yeah, I mean, yeah, cash needs come March 1st, but also logistically, it's, I mean, at some point we can't move all, you know, a couple billion bushels at the snap of a hat, you know, I mean, I think it's going to take, you know, basis is generally hung in there. And, and uh, you know, it, again, if we believe the USDA in that production number, that wouldn't maybe lead to trading either side of, of zero basis or 15 over for, for ethanol plants. So I think basis is going to have to do the work and it's been hanging in there. I mean, yeah, we've had a future slide, but basis seems unchanged to, uh, you know, maybe a nickel weaker, but uh, you know, I think if, if that improves, I think that helps, uh, you know, cash prices and get the flow going. So as we wrap this up, I want to ask each of you and Tyson, I'll start out with you. What's, what's the thing you're going to be looking for in these markets? starting next week when we see that kind of wrapping up the month of February and hitting March? You know, in uh, it would be, I guess it's 40 days or so from now, there'll be the prospective planning intentions report. So that'll be one of the next things that guys want to get prepared for or talking about. Um, obviously, they're they're expecting us to plant a huge crop. Um, if they're pegging a tread line type of yield, that's going to result in a big carryout. So any supply hiccup or anything that could 
get us out of that situation would be a reason for a price driver to the upside. If we continue to get similar type of news and nothing changes in the forefront here the next one to two weeks, I don't see a lot of things changing in the current landscape. Um, but like I said, you know, last April or May, on, as far as the soybean side were to go, we would be roughly the same type of values. And it felt like there was nothing in the market that could make it go up. And, you know, two or three weeks later, we had a drought scare, supply scare, and beans were up three to four bucks over a, probably a two month time frame. So things can change. Things can, like I said before, things don't always go down. They don't always go up forever. So trying to understand where you're going to be at and hopefully some of this market weakness wears itself out on the grain side of things and get some, uh, some sort of recovery going in the next couple of weeks and starting our planting off right. All right, Alex, for you. Yeah, I think more just trying to, you know, stay in position to be in position. It's uh, like you said, it's kind of been a, a kind of a tough go here the last hundred days. But you know, at some point, we're going to have to make some decisions new crop wise. Um, so more or less just trying to stay flexible, um, you know, and, and utilizing things at your, you know, just to, to kind of break up your decisions. Say, hey, I, I don't love the corn price today, but I want to make sure I don't, you know, it doesn't wither away another 20 or 40 cents on me. Um, so really, I guess, having a plan, looking into the spring, knowing what you're doing 30, 60, 90 days from now, independent of price direction, uh, I think is going to be key. It's going to be huge, obviously, with, with uh, break-evens all over the board and uh, futures price not, not being our friend here recently. So, All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, join us, Alex Gade and Tyson Brockmeyer with Trade Us. And gentlemen, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to our next conversation down the road. Thanks for having us on. Thanks. No problem. Quick reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.